Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. Once again, my name's Qua, and I'll be your host. And also, we got my co-host on the other side, Dan. How you doing over there, brother? Doing great, man. As always, another another killer guest. I, I think I say this every week, but I I'm truly believe we have some pretty incredible guests that we are able to get on here, and, and we're going to keep that rolling. But uh, I'm excited to talk to our guest today. Yeah, that's definitely, I'm super excited because where he fishes pretty much my home waters when I was a kid. So I'm super excited about this. Um, but once again, ladies and gentlemen, you can always find us on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast and also Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers. And if you already listen on to one of these podcasts, share, like, comment on any of the podcast platforms. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know any guests you guys want to bring on or any kind of new episodes you're interested in. We try our best to bring the local captains charter boats, tackle shop, local anglers. Uh, we, we, we usually try to keep everything a little bit local, but uh, we've been expanding our, our area. And uh, this today, we're going way deep. We're going all the way down south. So uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, be ready for this episode. It's going to be a woozy. All right. So once again, uh, we'd like to introduce to you uh, a local. Uh, I would say he was a local here for a while. And now he's a local of Florida. But uh, I'd like to introduce you, uh, Aaron Snyder. How you doing, man? Hey guys. Hey, can't beat that intro. That's for sure. <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? Good, good, man. Good. Very good. Cool. Hey, thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate yeah. it. No, no problem, man. So, uh, we're going to get, we're going to get to your backstory. So let's, uh, tell us your backstory of your early years and how you got into fishing and all the early influences, you know, how you grew up in South Jersey for almost 30 years, what you fished for here and whatnot. We want to know the Aaron Snyder of 30 years ago. Yeah, so for sure. So, it started off young. Um, my mother was the first person that got me out um, fishing. You know, we went and bought, um, sure, the cheapest combo that Walmart offered at the time and went out and fished for, you know, anything at the bottom of the lake. So um, it started really small with freshwater, you know, regular bass and um, 
you know, Sonny's. And then it slowly progressed as I got more interested and got a little older into saltwater fishing with, uh, with family members. So my uncle Scott was, he had to be the biggest, um, you know, influence in my saltwater fishing, um, career. Um, he would get me out in Sea Isle City, um, in Avalon, um, even the Delaware Bay, we would fish for, you know, striped bass in late December when most of the charter boats are pulled, uh, we'd be the only boat out there fishing for stripers. And we do, we do really well. You know, he got me dialed into the part where it was about numbers and water temperature and the bait and the hook size more than, you know, just going out and having fun. So that's really where it started for me. Fantastic. I mean, with, with our co-host Dan, you know, his mom was also involved in his fishing career, you know, not everyone has, you know, the dad that takes him fishing and it's it's incredible that your mom you know got you was a water baby and got you into it so. yeah no for sure yeah i was definitely blessed to you know because again a lot of the moms don't feel comfortable baiting their son's hooks or you know getting them out in areas that are predominantly you know ran by by guys and you know she put that all aside and got got us out there and you know did her best to kind of you know introduce us to the sport that i love today so that means uh, i guess we're gonna thank aaron's mom right here on this podcast Hey, thanks, mom. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for creating an incredible fisherman. Uh, we wouldn't have him now if you didn't take that first step into getting them. All right, so I mean, so you've been in, in Jersey for fish for the last well, you fished in Jersey for like to say with me the last thirty years. Um, let her, let our listeners know how the fishery was back in the day compared to the fishery, you know, as it is today. Um, there's sure. probably yep. Go ahead. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a big change. I mean. Um, you know, growing up in New Jersey, I'm sure you guys hear this now today that, you know, 20 years ago or even 15 years ago that the weak fish were so much more plentiful or, you know, the size limit was different and you were able to keep so many different, you know, size fish and it was easier to keep. And, you know, it was, it was true to an extent. It was true. I remember fishing this, you know, 50 cent bridge in Seattle city with my uncle Scott. And I'm telling you guys, we would throw a cast net, fill it with mullet and, I mean, we were just live line and mullet for, you know, 20, 30 inch weekies that were, I mean, so plentiful, we'd fill a cooler full. And it was, it was nothing back then to do that. It wasn't, you know, one fish at 18 inches or, you know, two fish between a slot number. It was, you know, a decent amount of fish that you could keep for per boat. And they were out there. They were, there was no shortage. I mean, it was always when the blue fish turned up, the weak fish shut off. And you kept the one or two bluefish and then, you know, you, that was the end of the night, but, um, you know, it wasn't just weak fish. It was the striped bass. I remember taking trips when I got a little bit older to, um, Long Island to, to Montauk. And I was, I'm telling you the blitz that I saw when I, when I first made it up there was just incredible. And I don't see them, you know, that much anymore. I still take trips up every year, but I don't, I don't see the wall-to-wall stripers that we used to see back then and uh you know it's it's definitely changed for sure yeah um so for that many years i know you probably have some really super memorable stories of chasing stripers up and down from the delaware bay all the way up to cape cod do you have any um any memorable ones that kind of just ring a bell in your head yeah so um there was there was one where it was a group of guys, um, you know, I just met these guys on social media, 
I had two friends from from high school and it was uh, like a pregame thing. We were all prepped and we all met at the local bar and, you know, we kind of got what gear we needed together. And if we were camping in the parking lot or if we were getting a hotel room and we finally made the, the you know, pilgrimage all the way six hours up north and we wound up staying in the uh, Camp Hero parking lot right on the cliff there. And um, I remember it was it was probably mid-October. It was freezing that night. And we were so excited, full of you know adrenaline to catch these monster striped bass that everybody's telling you about. So we climbed down the cliff. We had no idea of walkways or trails or, you know, so we just, we see the water below us. So we just, I mean, literally traverse this frigging cliff all the way down to the boulder fields. And it looks like when you're looking up and you're looking down, it looks like sandy beaches. Well, from New Jersey, all the way up to, you know, right about the tip of Long Island, it is. And that's what we were used to. We stepped one foot in and it's hidden boulder fields with slimy rocks as far as, the, you know, the eye can friggin' see. So we twisted our ankles and, you know, we got all stuck. I'm screaming for my buddy to help me. And, you know, he's screaming for the other guy down below him to help him. Soaking wet, freezing. We stuck it out that night till about midnight. And I caught probably the largest striped bass to date. That I've, that I've ever caught. It was, it was 50, 52 pounds and it had a girth on it. I mean, the size of a, of a basketball, man. I mean, it was, it was intense. Well, that's, that's pretty much an, ins- like, I don't even know how, what to say. That's pretty memorable. If you get to get to experience that kind of thing with your buddy, you know, I, I haven't even made a trip up the Montauk yet and I've been striped fish bass fishing for years now. And I, I'm meaning to take the trip, but I, I can almost guarantee that my trip will probably be never memorable like that because some, like you said, the numbers really aren't there anymore or maybe yeah. the bigger fish just aren't around. But I mean, I'm, I'm still want to make the actual trip to the Mecca. So it's got, so, it's got, be, it's in the book. It's in the books. So if I have to say anything, um, for me personally, it was all about the homework, right? So I follow a couple of gentlemen that have been fishing up there their entire lives. And they always said to me, you know, you fish the non-human hours or, you know, you, you do, you put in the time and you put in the effort to figure out what these feeding, what these bigger fish are feeding on and, and their, you know, kind of feeding habits. And we did that. We, we did a lot of research before we went. And again, it wasn't, you know, it was probably the six or seven hours into the trip and there was nobody catching anything. So it was, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, it'll beat you up. And a lot of the, the pitfalls that we dealt with to get to that point were enough to turn a grown man around. So it was definitely something that we endured. And again, we did our homework and we got the reward, you know, at the end of it. So I definitely suggest homework is, is key there. Yeah. I mean, that's just something we have to tell every angler out there, you know, I mean, always do your homework do your research, even just a simple glance on Google Maps and looked at predominant areas that may produce the most, you know, you never know. Like sure. you could do all the homework in the world and you'll still get skunked, but you know what? You'll take it on the chin and do it better the next time. That's, that's the yeah. only good advice we can give you. Um, now you live in South Jersey up until five years ago. And then now you currently reside in South Florida. Um, how has it been adapting to the fishery change? Did you find it difficult to make that whole transition from Jersey to the mecca of saltwater fishing or was it just a simple transition so it definitely wasn't simple um growing up as as a young guy man I'm, I'm watching all these videos and you know saturday morning fishing shows and i i it looks so easy when you watch these shows of these guys coming down here and just catching you know record bonefish and tarpon are everywhere and you know big snook 
So I did not find it easy because I came into it like um, being very intimidated, you know, and I didn't have a boat when I first got here. So again, I did my homework. I did as much research as I could. I went around to different bait shops and, you know, got connected with um, Sebastian um, Fishing Club down the street here and just got connected with a bunch of local guys that kind of gave me the right avenue to take to catch, you know, the, the decent sized fish, you know, the trophy fish that every guy, you know, wants to catch. So I started small. I went fishing with live bait, live shrimp and, um, uh, Mahara and greenies and pins and croaker, any kind of live, you know, bait that I could find mullet. And I would catch like mediocre sized fish. So I'd catch that one snook under the dock or, you know, baby, super small sheep's head, um, you know, some baby mangroves, things like that. And then uh, as time progressed, and again, I can't stress enough, as I put my time in and my research, I started to find these non-human hours where there wasn't a lot of people pressuring the water. There wasn't tons of boats coming in and out of an inlet or a back cut. And I would try then or look at the moon phases to the slack tides and you know, see if there's what bait is in the water at that time. And as soon as I put them, the couple keys together in that fashion, I started producing, you know, 40 pound plus snook and you know, very large tarpon that I can't even turn around half the time when I hook them. And you know, definitely 30 to 40 pound redfish. I mean, so it's it's been a hard start, but you know, even I'm still learning. I'm always learning. You know. Very nice. So I'm I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, so you when you when you think of Florida from up here, you think oh it's beautiful all year round. You know seasons kind of transition gracefully as opposed to up here where you get smacked with wintertime when wintertime comes around. How how are those transitions for seasons for you down there, and how does it change the type of fisheries you're you're going to be targeting? Like are you obviously we know we have our traditional spring, summer, fall, winter fishing seasons up here, but the, they kind of mesh together a little bit more down there. How, how are you uh, targeting different fisheries based off of the time of year? So for the time of the year, for me, it's, it's more, I really don't think about it as time of the year. I think about it as water temperature. So I follow the temperature of the water and the salinity that's in the water. So I fish around Sebastian Inlet. I do a lot of back cuts all the way up to Bureau and even, even Malabar, Palm Bay area, which doesn't have a main, major thoroughfare inlet flow of water. So I try to keep in mind the water temperature. If the water temperature, mind you, I'm fishing an average of two to three feet of water. So if, the, if it's 87 degrees, the water temperature, these fish are gonna be deeper. So I, I try to you know, keep it in mind to where if it's midsummer, I'm fishing more towards the drop-offs, the inlets, um, if it's the rainy season and it's just dumping on us every day at the end of the day, then I'm looking for that higher salinity. So I'm, I'm assuming closer to an inlet. So closer to either the drainage pipes or, you know, the ma major third pair, like an inlet. Um, I do know when we do get whole, um, wholehearted winters, so cold winters, which is only 60 some degrees, um, the water temperature does drop. The fish get lethargic, they get a little slow. And then you have to you have to target the black covered murky bottoms that are shallow. So these fish will go up and try and sun 
and get back and regain any of that energy that they had when they lost it in the night hours. So it's really more about water temperature than, than it is time of the year, you know? So what, what, what type of species are your like go-to targets? Like, obviously you mentioned redfish and snook. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, what are, what are your, your go-tos as far as when you're, when you're jumping out there to go fishing? Like you say, say you have three or four hours to get out there today. What, what is your go-to? What, what do you, what do you so, target? So I'm a guy that, that grew up in New Jersey when weak fish was plentiful. And then I, I witnessed the die off where it was so hard to catch a weakie man there for so many years. You know, it was like, it was the, the unicorn of the friggin' water when you caught this thing. Right. So when I got down here and started targeting the sea trout and speckleds, I lit up like a little kid in a candy store, man. I finally got that unicorn in my mind, you know, like it was, they were able to be caught again. So and I, that, that kind of is my, is my go-to every time I go out. If I can, you know, throw artificials more than live bait and I can run and only have four hours, I'm, I'm targeting the sea trout and speckled for sure, man. Yeah. We've, we've had a lot of love for the specs on our podcast lately. And I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan myself. So it's, it, there's, awesome. there's something, something to be said for those fish. I, I, I love them. I love chasing them. They're like the, uh, the eat the nighttime ghost. I, I, like I, I do better on them at night, obviously. Uh, I know a lot of people say the same thing, but so as far as your, your, your technical aspect of everything now, when you're going out there, you had mentioned cutting your teeth using live bait to start off just to kind of get a feel for the fisheries down there. Have you changed that more? Uh, you mentioned just momentarily ago about the, uh, throwing artificials. Obviously my, my preference is always throwing artificials if I can help it. Um, but certain species like, you know, sheep's head, tog and things require live bait. And, and there's certain instances where it just makes sense to throw a mullet on there and call it a day. However, uh, obviously, we, you know, we all sit here and say we, we love the artificials because it, you're tricking a fish as opposed to feeding a fish. So what kind of what kind of lures are you throwing towards the uh, towards the specs when you're targeting them and then other fisheries as well, like redfish and such in, in that Sebastian area? So. Again, artificials definitely hold, like yourself, a, a huge part in, in what I do here. Um, I, I, it's more of, I guess it is more of a tricking thing than feeding thing for sure. But it's almost like, um, you know, I, I'm kind of homing my craft in on, on what they're feeding and, you know, the color pattern. So again, yeah, it, it is more tricking than it is feeding. And I, I would throw artificials more than bait for sure. Um, I'm fishing primarily right now early morning i'm throwing uh like a whopper plopper like a top water back and forth um walk the dog lure um yozori makes a really nice one man that has a lot of a lot of sound a lot of weight and i can i can wing it to kind of surprise these fish um and then again there's another there's another brand um i think it's hayden or hidden i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right right the uh the walk the dog uh whopper plopper also Yes. Super spooks. Yes. So that's my go-to early morning. And as it, as it, you know, the light falls. Um, but then there's times during the day where the sun is at its highest, the water temperature is, you know, hot as heck. These fish aren't really productive. I'm throwing, um, like a mid surface bait. So it sinks down about maybe a foot, two feet at most. And it's a twitch bait by uh, Yozori. And that has been my, my golden standard to the fish shut off. They don't want to take anything. I still can't like get myself to go throw the cast net to go catch some mullet and just feed them. I, I always switch to that. And it seems, it seems to produce not as good, 
as you know, when the sun's not at its highest, but it's still, it, it does work. Now, you being from up here, I, I didn't hear anything about mirror lures, which is crazy because you're down there and that's like the predominant like lure that everybody's using. And I, I, I had this disconnect, right? I found some mirror lures up here in stores and I tried them up here. I'm like, these things don't work. They have no action. What are, what are these guys thinking? I get down south and everybody's like, oh, you got to do the MR27, the MR17. I'm like, what are you even talking about? So I go, I go to the store, pick up some, and then I figure it out, right? And then now I have probably 80 mirror lures <laughs> and, and, and I have all these, I have all these shiny, pretty lures that now I, I got to figure out a way to use them up here too. So, so have you, have you, you mentioned a lot of lures that we use up here and there, there's mm-hmm. always, you always hear like the, the Z-Man, the mirror lures down South. And then up here you have your whopper ploppers, your heat and spooks, all that kind of stuff. Have you, have you kind of still fell into your old patterns, like the, 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 the lures that you're using up here and that's why you're still using them down there. And then you found that they were effective. So to be completely honest, I got to give all the credit. I have a, uh, I have an admin on one of my Facebook pages that, you know, kind of brought me back to my childhood way of throwing lures. Right. So I got down here and I got on the hype. So me being new and, you know, just, I wanted to, to learn the fishery as much as I could. So if anybody said, this is the go-to, this is the lure, you got to try this. I said, what the hell? I can't lose anything. I might as well try it, right? So I did the same thing. I went out and bought a bunch of mirror lures. I have one mirror lure. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. To date, that... I brought from from uh, from South Jersey down here, and that is the only mirror lure that I can produce a freaking fish on. And I don't I don't know what it is about it, but I did the same thing. I filled the tackle box with mirror lures. I filled the tackle box with all sorts of soft plastics and um, uh, goodness, they make these uh, live target baits that everybody's you know swearing by. And I, I spent so much money in artificials. And like I said, I got to give credit to my buddy Dave. We went out and. He's throwing a bass assassin on a friggin' worm hook and he's out fishing me like crazy. Right. So I, I started watching him and I'm like, no, you know, this, this, you know, $20, lure is going to outfish that bass assassin. I, you know, it must be the, the water temperature. It must be the time of day, like still produced more than me. So I finally started switching it up and I find myself throwing more soft plastics now on weedless worm hooks or like, you know, bladed kind of jig heads than anything right now. And especially when it's the midday and it's, you know, it's kind of a thing that I brought from South Jersey that I forgot about because I jumped on that hype for sure. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have never gotten into the popularity of like the Z-Man and the mirror lures if I had never fished down South, but I mean, there's a time and place for them. Obviously they work. Uh, A lot of guys are catching, catching them down there. It's just funny. Like I, I go down there, I, I fish for fluke up here, flounder down there. And it's amazing. Like up here, I'll throw Z-Man baits and can't get a sniff, but I go down to Virginia beach and I'm catching, catching uh, still summer flounder on, on the, the, the Z-Man baits down there. And I have less, less uh, opportunities to catch on gulp down there than I do here. It, it's just an interesting dynamic, how that switches from, you know, the, the, the geographical area, area areas. So 
I, I, I like to, I like to still bring some of my, uh, my tried and true down with me, but I, I've had to learn to adapt and it's, it's opened up my, my arsenal quite a bit. For sure. For I sure. Think, what here. I think is, I think that, I think the fish support their local, uh, builders, <laughs> man, you know, gulp, gulp. <laughs> Hey, we all know that above the, uh, the Delaware line, it's gulp everything from here all the way to the main. Mm. Right. And then anything below Delaware down, it's all Z man. So the fish, they know their waters and they know what to feed on. Uh, well, Sebastian, you know what? The funny thing is, as much as I've grown up as a kid and I fished there a lot, my dad took me, he only had a preference. He only liked fishing nighttime. I don't know what it is. Even to this age, when I go down there to visit him, we'll go fishing and it's always nighttime. He always says nighttime's the right time. Like I'll bring a bunch of my stuff from up here and he'll, he'll, he'll just like, he'll like, just leave your bag, leave your bag at home. Don't bring it. I was like, I was like, why? I was like, cause we're going to throw the same thing we've been throwing for the past 30 years. I was like, right. I'm tired of throwing bombers. That's all he wants <laughs> me to throw all night. All night with throwing bombers. And you know what? Funny thing is we catch everything on the bombers. We'll catch right. lady, we'll catch ladyfish. We'll catch that, we'll catch that big 30, 40 pound snook. We'll 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 jump a couple of tarpon. You know, it's it's just it's just it's just so weird. It's like one universal lure that he's been throwing for like years now and he still won't change. And I'm like, can we go during the morning or can we go during the afternoon <laughs> to fish? He's like, no, because there's no fish. I was like, there's, there's fish. There's got, there's, there's got to be fish during the daytime. But he's just like, I've gone plenty of time. I've never caught it. So some people are just so like, like they're so stuck in their rhythm that they won't change. Like I would, I would literally have to drag him out of bed in the morning just to do like a morning session. And he doesn't oh, want, he, he, he doesn't want to go. Uh, so I, I can definitely contest to, I used to be that fisherman, but then I, I started again there's nothing wrong with it your dad's been catching fish for you know well longer than i've been alive i'm sure but there's there's a point where i got in my my career where i wasn't satisfied with like every other time going out and not producing and that's what happened to me personally you know i would go out and i would i would try that same thing over and over and over again and then again it's like you know if it isn't broken don't fix it well i was broken man and there was holes in my, my routine to where i wasn't producing all the time so I started following a couple of these old heads that are, again, they're from, you know, South Jersey, New York area, and they always pressed, you have to do your research. You have to either find what bait is in the water at that time you're going, or you got to do, you know, the tides and moon phases. There's, there's a bunch of different keys to being able to really home in on, you know, the bigger fish that you're hoping and praying to catch, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like there's so much data at your fingertips anymore. Like before you even step foot outside, you can see what, you know, the wind's doing. You can see cameras that are showing the surf. Yeah. You, you can yeah. see, you know, you can check the tidal coefficient for where you're fishing. Like it's amazing. Every bit of data that is possible is at your fingertips. And, you know, all these old timers grew up without any of that and they're still catching fish. And you, yeah. you look at that and you're like, you're like, man, I have like the cheat codes here, right? I have all the cheat codes and I'm having a difficult time yet. This old guy over here is just, you know, throwing killing minnows out on a bobber, catching flounder after flounder. I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? What, what is this? I don't, I don't even know what this guy's doing. I call it the, uh, I call it the Walmart setup. You know, the guy, the guy that just went down, grabbed a case of beer and he's got a Walmart setup. He's out fishing me. And, you know, I'm making it super complicated. I can do that too sometimes too. I can overcomplicate the crap out of what I'm doing. And then again, like, you know, I have to give credit to my buddy Dave. He, he kind of grounded me back in, into the, 
you know, the, the, uh, the basics of being able to just throw something so simple that just works so much better than, you know, some of these higher end lures. So I, I agree. Trust me. Yeah. In my older age, I've learned to, uh, to try to, to do the keep it simple, uh, method myself and, and take yeah. less stuff with me and commit to what I'm bringing. And cause I was the guy that would bring everything possible and have it all in my kayak and my kayak, I take a half a foot swell and I'm sitting in my butt sweat <laughs> because I'm sitting in water just because right, it's still right. way down with everything. So I've gotten better about being more organized and bringing the right things as opposed to everything. Now, Getting back to uh, the Sebastian Inlet area, that the Sebastian Inlet jetty, it's well known. We've all heard about it, you know, on videos and on, you know, different uh, fishing, you know, magazines and, and articles and such. And it's a very famous area to fish. Now, obviously, you can fish it multiple different ways, whether it be by foot or from from a, a, a watercraft. Do you do you spend a lot of time fishing the actual jetty itself? Uh, do you ever get out there on foot as opposed to on, on on a boat? Like how how do you break down that area as far as your fishing goes yeah so um my prime time to catch these 40 plus pound fish would have to be by foot um and the time to do that for me is the non-human hours when there is um uh, it's a monday night it was just pressured over the weekend uh there's not going to be anybody out there drinking and partying on the catwalk or you know on the on the fishing pier itself uh south or north side and you know, it, I basically have it to myself. So um, I, I grew up surf fishing, I grew up land fishing, I grew up, you know, all sorts of bridge hopping and, and pond hopping. So it makes me feel like I'm back to my roots. And I, I didn't get too good for my britches kind of feeling, you know, like I'm, I'm back to what started me. And I don't lose touch with that, you know, that that spark that really sparked the love of fishing for me. So um, I would have to say, uh, again, the research that I do would be slack tide, full in tide, and when the moon is at its least. So it's not full moon, it's not half moon, the moon is at its least, and the tide's all the way in and it's slacked out. So Sebastian Inlet, you have a window of about an hour, two hours tops, and the tide starts spinning right around and ripping right back out. But in that dead water time frame, is when I do the best, man. I really do. There's, there's monsters that get up out of their holes or, you know, get up off the bottom and they, I feel like they have less, um, current to move through to actually target the bait that they're trying to eat, you know? Absolutely. Now, now for a new angler, you know, tackling a jetty that they've never been on can be, uh, can be a, a tall task. Do you have any tips that you could give, uh, the listeners to kind of, to how you would break that water down on your, your ideal conditions where it's at the top of the tide, slack, <laughs> that night, uh, the, the, the new moon phase, all that good stuff. Like how would you give a, a newer angler, what kind of tips would you give them to kind of tackle that area to, to fish it successfully? For sure. And I, I wish this tip was given to me. It's uh, it starts with the, the footwear. Um, I can't stress enough corkers, jetty cleats, some kind of, old school uh, football cleat shoe you got in, you know, in the, in the, in the shed out back, anything that's got metal on the bottom or some kind of grip to grip the slimy rocks is a hundred percent key. So you don't need it. It's not something that you, you have to go out and buy to fish it. But if you're talking about safety and a tip, I wish I was given that tip. You got to protect yourself. If you're out there in the middle of the night and we're talking about not fishing these, you know, hours where there's a bunch of people around and it's the middle of the night, you got to be able to be safe. So 
I would say it starts with footwear, jetty cleats, a very bright headlamp, something over 350 uh, looms, um, if possible. Um, and then again, you don't have to be very expensive when it comes to your, your fishing. So it could be a $50 or $40, 10 foot to 11 foot rod, um, and a basic 4,000 or up size reel. Um, I prefer braid. If you're new at this and you're, you're trying to get out there and you don't want to deal with, you know, popping a bunch of fish off, I would go a little heavier with the, with the braid. I wouldn't go monofilament. I would definitely do 50 to 60 pound power pro, um, to a barrel swivel, a decent sized barrel swivel to 40 to 50, to even 60 pound fluorocarbon or clear leader, and then your lure. So you're basically protected from the end of that rod all the way to your feet to be out there fishing at night when there's nobody around. And um, again, you don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to over overcomplicate it. You guys can, you know, get out there with a bomber like, uh, you know, like his father does or a, a pack of swim baits. You know, my, my biggest fish out of the Sebastian Inlet at night on that slack tide have been on the basic Walmart swim baits. You know, that's been my go-to for the past couple of weeks now. So you don't need to spend a lot of money to, to have a good time and do it safe. Well, now we know that um, usually on the weekends, and most of us try not to fish the weekends, the, uh, that pier gets very packed. And we're, we're talking about pack. We're talking about super packed. Now, um, and I've, I've assumed you probably fished a few times when it was packed. Now, we all have, we all know the pure etiquettes. I, I, I've, I've fished it for many years, so I know the etiquettes are there. But like from your perspective, do you, what are the do's and don'ts when fishing that pier, that jetty? Yeah, so you don't want to get out there during a storm and have the wind and rain blowing all over you if you're fishing the beginning side of that jetty. So the beginning side of that jetty can get so treacherous and so dangerous to where, you know, you'll, you'll slip right off of this thing if there's a wave coming in. It almost reminds me of a, of a jetty back north. Um, the, the pier itself, you don't want to pick your time to get up there to try and enjoy yourself with your family on a weekend. So I, you know, a lot of guys only have off on the weekends. They can only, you know, get out there at a certain time, but you're going to run into a lot of people indulging in alcohol and other things to where it might be uncomfortable to be on that pier, you know, fishing with your family. I don't want to say that's all the time, but I'm just trying to prepare you against, you know, ruining your fishing trip if possible. So, you know, definitely weather, keep it in mind, but also keep it in mind that, you know, we're, we're kind of in a party state and, you know, people love to get out on the weekends and, and indulge. So, you know, you also have to keep that in mind also. Gotcha. Yeah. And just like my couple of um, advice for that jetty is just be respectful of everyone. You know what I mean? If you get a tangle, apologize and just try to get the tangles off. And if you hook into a big fish, you know, just literally just yell down the rail, you know, fish coming, you're walking it up, just walk it up, walk under rods. Um, and if you don't have a bridge net, just just ask someone you know people on that jetty are really friendly everyone assumes that jetty has always been like oh it's a battleground you know it's this it's that it's not there's a lot of friendly people on that pier and they're willing to help you all you got to be is just respectful and just ask for help that's all it is 
And for sure, and I, I can't believe I even left all that out, but that, that's for sure exactly what you need to do. Just, you know, the respect thing is, is, is key. When I was up there in the middle of the winter last year and I hooked into a 40-plus redfish, I had no bridge net with me. It was one of them hurry up and get out there after work kind of deals. And, you know, the, the older guys that fish it every day, like if you get up there enough, you'll see the same guys every day up there. Mm -hmm. I asked for help. They were generous enough to help, and they didn't make it a big thing. And, you know, it's definitely key. There's a, there's a process on that pier. It's called walking the line. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but, yep. you know, they, they fish it certain times of the year for the big snook and reds with live shrimp, and they walk along the line with the current. And just don't be the guy with eight pounds or eight ounces of lead in the center of that walking line, you know, dead sticking a mullet. Because again, you know, you, you just, you, you gotta, you know, be aware of your surroundings and what everybody else is doing to kind of keep it kosher up there. There is spots for that, but try to just not get in the middle of the walk with your lead and, you know, your dead bait. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to do a dead stick with eight ounces and a chunk, just go, go on the beach. For sure. Like yeah. When you when you guys see guys walking up and down with a pinch weight and a shrimp, it's it's the time we walk the lines. And that's and it's just what it is. The same thing at middle of the night, 1 a.m. You'll see guys walking a flyerhawk jig down down the whole jetty, like from front to end, and then they'll just reset and do it again. You know what I mean? That's when the big fish are around. They they know what they do, they've been doing it for a very long time. So just respect them. If you see them walking, just either lower your rod down, you know, so they can walk walk over it and stuff like that. It's, you know, these guys have been fishing day in and day out, day in and day out. So they know what they're doing. So, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with all of that. Okay. So now that, now that we know that you love chasing big snook and speckled trouts in these waters, um, just say for Dan, you know, he's never been down to Florida, you know, never fished Sebastian Inlet. He's going to be a first timer going down there and wanting to try and um, hook into one of these, one, even just his first snook or speckled trout. Um, how about you give us a basic breakdown of the kind of tackle lure structure, presentation, tides, and time of day that could probably be his best advantage to finding one of these. And I know he's, 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 he wants to, he's going to do this one day. <laughs> For sure. And I, and hopefully it's with me or, you know, yeah. or, or oh, yeah. one of us down there, but there you go. You know, so, uh, so I, I'm a big fan of early morning. Um, early morning is the best, you know, it has been the best for me. Um, if you're wade fishing, wade fishing is really big down here because again, the water right off the shore in most areas is a foot to two foot deep. So um, I would say early morning when the when the the light and the sun hasn't really beaten on the water to raise the water temperature up, these fish are they're not lethargic, they're not slow. They're actually still in predator mode from the night before. and uh, you'll you'll have an hour to two hour window first light to actually target you know the big snook and and the uh, the big trout if you're waiting. So when you're waiting, I highly suggest in our area to try a swim bait or a, um, a bass assassin with a weedless hook, um, where you're going to be able to walk into any of these little cuts off the shore here, you're going to have a row of mangroves either to the right or the left of you. And most of the time, these big fish feed in and out of the mangroves. So they're, they're either pinning fish in them or they're, they're in them themselves waiting for to, you know, strike out of and, and, you know, eat the bait that they're, they're targeting. So definitely walk, you know, as far back as you can from the mangroves, pitch into them or along them, and then continue your walk. Um, if you're boat fishing, I mean, we, we're so diverse to where it all depends exactly what you're targeting. But if you're targeting the sea trout and snook, it's really the same thing. 
Um, I have a flats boat. I love to get right in to a foot, two foot of water. And I stay about, I want to say a hundred yards off of the mangroves. And I pitch back into every little cut and hole I can find. And I draw it back towards the boat. And usually when it's coming right out of the mangroves, that's where I'm getting my strikes. And uh, it's usually never with cut bait or live bait. It's always with artificial. All right. That's good. So with this, with the tackle wise, let's just say we're looking for that, that 20, that 30 pound snook, um, like, like a traditional, like medium heavy rod, um, like 3000 reel or something like, or do you go a little bit heavier since the, they are in the mangrove, but you do want to turn their heads out? Yeah. So speaking of, uh, combos, definitely for sure, uh, 3000 and up, I am, I'm more of a light, uh, tackle kind of guy. So I love, I have a Shimano Stratix 3000, um, with like 15 pound braid, a little lighter sometimes on a, I think it's a seven, six, um, uh, St. Croix. So it's an inshore avid, uh, really light rod. Again, you don't have to be that pricey to, to fish, but, and to, and to target these species, but I would definitely suggest a seven foot to even eight foot rod. I like the action of a light, you know, kind of light to medium light rod personally, just me. Um, if you're starting off and you've never fished in this area and you do, you know, just want to be able to turn these fish out of the, the mangroves or docks, no, no matter what size it is, I would definitely go up to a medium heavy um, rod and at least seven foot. And again, 3000 to 4000, you know, spinning reel for sure. And so as for structure wise, right? So you're saying we're going to be these flats. It's uh, I've been there, so I know kind of the layout, but so it's all mangroves. Now, do you fish anything else besides mangroves, like say sand pockets, grass and stuff like that? Or is just majority of that first light bite, it's usually they're tucked inside those mangroves waiting for bait to swim by? Yeah, so majority of my first light bite is the mangroves. Our grass here in the Indian River Lagoon in the area of Sebastian Man and Vero Beach has been depleted unbelievable. Um, I could blame it on pollution. I could blame it on poor management. I mean, there's a hundred different friggin' reasons why our grass isn't growing right now, but um, more north of us has a better grass um, kind of fishery. Um, but first light, it's definitely docks and mangroves. And then once that, once I get done that hour, two hour first light bite, I'll move out to the sand pockets, which again are still, you're about to two to four feet of water but I want that when I'm pulling or even moving across the flats, I want the sun behind me to kind of block my shadow from overrunning my boat, if it, if it makes sense, right? Yeah. And so when the shadow just moves over these fish, it spooks them. And I'd like to have the sun behind me the, the most I can to just, you know, enhance my, my chances of hooking them big fish that are sitting up on the flats. Gotcha. So that's a great, some great advice, guys. There, Like if you ever get down there, you know, I mean, there's plenty of access points, walk-on points that you guys can get into that you can wait out. Like, you know, like Aaron said that the um, the water depth there is anywhere between one and three feet. So it's definitely waitable. I've been back there and the, it's, it's really super clear water. Uh, just walk, you know, always have protective feet wear. Don't walk out, don't go out there barefoot. You know, we got rays and stuff like just like to sit in that, that sit in that sand, you won't even see them. So just be very careful when you're waiting out there. And like you said, walk out as far as you can. Turn, turn your back, make sure the sun is not, not up yet, and just start walking those banks and just casting into the mangrove pockets and just slow retrieve them, just waiting for that big fish to come out. Now, uh, speaking of monster fish, what are some of your biggest catches today 
either from land or boat? Okay, so my my number one goes back to that time when I was in Montauk and it was the 50 plus striped bass um, that was on a live eel. Um, that, was, that was an incredible fish, man. I'm, I was so blessed to have that fish. There was a couple 40s that were, you know, in the mix uh, for a couple different trips up there of striped bass. Um, to date here in Florida, I have a 42 pound redfish I call on live shrimp walking the line at the Sebastian Inlet there on the fishing pier. Um, it was probably, I want to say it was around February. So it was, it was weird. It was cold. It was stormy. There wasn't a lot of guys doing it. And um, that day I just, it was, it was amazing. You know, again, one of the older gentlemen helped me with the bridge net and it made hell of a memory for me. Um, snook wise, I'm in the 40 class also with the snook. Um, I've caught a bunch of them leading up to that that were just close to it, but the 40 pound um, on the dot, even a couple ounces more came from the boat in the inlet at night. We were drifting, a couple buddies were drifting live baits, uh, live croakers through the lights there. And um, they weren't having a lot of luck there. You could see fish busting. You could see, you know, a bunch of fish coming up on, on uh, mullet pods and, and really just trashing them, but they weren't taking the croakers. So I threw out a bomber and uh, it happened to be a black bomber, like a J7, like a, uh, you know, a jointed yeah. guy. And um, it, the darker, the better when at night, you know, and it just trashed it. I mean, as soon as it hit the water, I felt like I pulled it and it trashed it and we were on, you know, I had to, I was drifting through the bridge at that time, no trolling motor. So, you know, it was kind of a pull the fish through the bridge, around the pilings and have my buddy start the motor, chase the fish down. And we finally got that fish up and I went to land and took a photo with him. And it was, it was hell of a memory. It's a good fish. 40 pound sticks. Uh, does a, it's not small guys. A 40 pound stick. It's, it's a really big fish. That's for that air. But I mean, we've got bigger fish in there. They just, it's just harder to catch. I, yep. I mean, I've seen fifties. I've seen fifties, you know, but they're just, they're, they're, they're 54 reason. You know what I mean? They're, they're very picky. They have that little like 30 minute, 40 minute window. They're going to feed. And that's it. Yeah. I agree highly, man. And again, that's where I'm talking about that non-human hour. You know, I get that phrase from a, from a very well-established fisherman down here. Yeah. And I swear to it because it's, it's such key, man. Like you gotta be able to be in there and, you know, not have your spot pressured to get these bigger fish that you're trying to, you know, target. Yeah. That gentleman you're talking about, we're probably trying to try to try to get him on this podcast, man. Mr. Little crazy Alberto knee, the non-human yeah. hours. That, yeah, man, man. that man, that man is the Mr. Miyagi of non-human hours, man. For sure. And just speaking of him, I, I didn't want to put him on blast or anything, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I followed that man um, early in his career when he was in Montauk and fishing Long Island. And that's kind of like a lot of my studying and videos came from listening and watching that man at, you know, at his finest. And I tell you what, he is not a liar. He, he does not deceive whatever that man is talking about. Definitely both ears open because mm -hmm. it produces for sure. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
Now, aside from salt water, do you ever get into that any of that sweet water stuff in South Florida? Because I, I mean, I, from what I hear, the South, the the sweet water in South Florida is pretty good by itself too. Yeah, so um, we have a stick marsh here, and uh, they just they just had a lot of problems during all the past hurricanes with like different boat ramps that they were closing and opening, and they opened up recently another access to a canal that that actually feeds into the stick marsh, and uh, we were fishing it about two weeks ago. And the biggest I've caught out of there so far was 10 pounds, or excuse me, five pounds. Um, and that was on a topwater frog early in the morning. Again, my buddies had, you know, well over five pounds in there on live shiners. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been slow when it gets really, really hot. But if we get a chance to get out there early in the morning, again, we don't do a lot of it. But when we get the chance, we're pretty excited about it. And, you know, there, there is nice fish in there, man, for sure. Are you talking, uh, you said 10 pounds. Is that a, I'm assuming it's a largemouth bass you're referring to there? Yeah. So I made a mistake and said 10, um, five was the biggest I have down here. I have, um, I have the biggest largemouth that I've ever caught was actually in New Jersey in Collins lakes on a uh, live pickerel. It was, uh, it was, it was a small pickerel that I had caught and the bass 10 plus came up and inhaled the pickerel. So I haven't caught anything close to that down here in Florida. I know they're here. Again, the bigger fish, I mean, you know, the climate's perfect for them, but to target them, I, I don't do it enough. I'm so focused and fixated on the salt water. It's just, it, it pulls my time, you know? I hear you, man. I'm a, I'm a big, big time saltwater fisherman. Anytime I get out to, to freshwater, I'm always thinking like, should I have just taken the extra ride and gone and fished salt instead? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> I was it. doing that today and it, it cost me a rod today on the freshwater side. So yeah, oh. I, uh, I am always like second guessing myself. Like, man, I, I heard there's a good fluke bite or I heard there's this going on on the salt and I'm sitting there fishing for snakeheads or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of snakeheads, have you gotten into any of the, like the canal hopping for like the bullseye snakeheads and uh, peacock bass and stuff down there, bowfin? So in our area here, there's snakeheads. Um, I've only caught small snakeheads, nothing, you know, anywhere close to, you know, what they're, what they're catching here, but the peacock bass are more South than where I'm at. Um, I know there's people that catch them and it's rare, you know, there's guys that live here, you know, with all their lives and they've got one or two of them under their belt in a secret little pond, you know, but um, alligator gar for sure have been something that I targeted when I first got here. Um, I found them kind of concentrated in this one canal and, uh, we've, we've got them pretty good five to, you know, say seven, eight pound range, which isn't big, but it's not small for, for a gar, you know? Sure. Now, uh, any, are there any species of fish down there that you haven't caught yet that you'd like to add to your list or any bucket list species that you're working on, uh, to, to, to knock off the list as well? Yeah. So, um, Pretty soon here, I want to upgrade and um, keep my flats boat, but also um, introduce something a little bigger to my arsenal, um, 22, 23 foot boat so I can get offshore. I want to, I did a lot of trolling when I was in New Jersey um, and I want to get back to that clear water um, kind of canyon fishing and, you know, a lot of trolling. I, I haven't caught a mahi since I've been down here. Um, the Kings are really good here. Spanish is really good here offshore. Um, even the deep drop. I mean, there's guys jigging, you know, for tuna here. And that's something I've always wanted to do also. I know they don't get as big as they do back North, but still there's, there's a bunch of 
slow pitch jigging kind of deal going on here. And I just can't wait to get, you know, a piece of it for sure. Very, very nice. I'm going to toss this one back over to Kwa because you guys have been talking about something you're working on and I'm going to have him, uh, have him bring that up with you here. All right, cool. So, um, yeah, so we talked about a little bit about your future goals and, um, and we all off camera, we talked and you said you had about 30 hours left to achieve it. Now let, let, let us know, or let the listeners know what is that big goal and what made you decide that this is what you want to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, for sure, guys. So the big goal is um, getting my captain's license. I have about 30 hours left. I took the online version. Um, the gentleman that offered the course wasn't in town and uh, it was going to be months till he was. So I took the online version to be able to obtain it a lot faster. And uh, we're getting there. I'm more than halfway through. Um, I'm, I'm just every waking second I have, it's away from work and my family. I'm on that computer and pressing to get my captain's license. It will be the uh, six pack license. So I'll be able to take out a handful of people. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, flats fishing and uh, inlet fishing. Um, I will travel if it, you know, if it's worth it and the fish bite is, you know, way better than what it is locally. I'll hook it up to a trailer, get, you know, to the closest spot where they're producing and, you know, we'll do our best. But um, shortly I do want to upgrade and add something a little bigger. Um, I do want to add the offshore, the trolling, but I also want to add an, an like exploitation kind of um, side of the business to Sebastian. So I want to be able to take people out and explore the, you know, the mangroves and the back cuts and the tributaries and just give them a kind of breakdown on what our waters have to offer and what we can do to better protect it and, you know, see the manatees and see the dolphins and get them on the islands get them to see the side of Florida that I see to hopefully, you know, appreciate it the way that I do. And, you know, I feel like that would just be, you know, only better for the, for the state for sure. Yeah. That, um, that water Sebastian area, that mosquito and lagoon back there, it's an incredible fishery. Um, I, I, like I said, I've fished there my whole life. So pretty much most of my life. So I'm pretty familiar with it, but like for the new, new, the new, new, new guests coming down, you know, Dan, Hopefully you get a chance to get down there, you know, reach out to Aaron, let him take you out there, show us, show, let him show you what his backwaters look like. It's an incredible fishery, man. It's just so much to do back there. You couldn't finish it in a week. There's no way you're going to learn it in a week, but you know I mean? It's, a, it's, it's great. And then the fact that, you know, Aaron's almost there to get to his captain's license to start a charter and, you know, we're wishing you good luck, man. We hope you, we hope you take it all the way. And then one day we're going to meet you down there. Thank you guys for sure. And I, you know, I will tell you, I'm not just going to stay grounded here in Florida. The, the dream is to, to do partial the year in New Jersey and then partial the year here in Florida too. So, you know, we'll have our time for sure to give, you know, to get together and chase them big stripers, and, you know, chase the big tuna offshore man up in Long Island and, you know, Connecticut, even Cape Cod. And then, you know, when the weather turns, we'll get back down here and do what we do best, you know, for sure. You don't even have to go that far, man. Jersey this year, we had an incredible tuna bite three miles offshore. Yeah, of course, I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to go that far. There are three, there are three, five miles offshore. Blue fins came in, yellow fins came rolling through. They were I just been out there in my flats boat, man. Yep, I, I was, I was really considering that, but I couldn't match. <laughs> I couldn't imagine if I had to hook into like a 70, 80 pound tuna, what I would do with it in my 15 foot flats boat, neither. <laughs> you hook it, hook and drag, man. Hook and drag, hook and drag. Let's <laughs> me around to go for a sled ride, right? <laughs> 
All right. Uh, so we're going to start wrapping it up now, uh, Aaron. Just let people know about, you know, any of your plugs, sponsors, YouTube channel, social media, where everyone can keep up to date with you and exactly when your charter is going to start. You can even you can even start promoing your charter a little, a little bit early. For sure. For sure, guys. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel up that I do a lot of uh, um, kind of informational videos on knots and hooks and what the gear we talked about tonight. Um, a lot of the different things to where, you know, you actually see pictures and get into detail on what I'm using. Um, the, the Facebook page is fish on fish on two sixteen. Um, you type in fish on fish on, or just follow my name, Aaron Snyder. It'll link you to all my social media platforms. Um, the name of the charter to look out for is family affairs charters. So that will be an up and coming charter boat company here shortly. Again, we're going to be offering all sorts of, you know, uh, inland exportation to, you know, the bioluminescent tours to just family trips to the islands. Um, definitely taking it all the way. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys and anybody willing to get on the water and learn and have a good time with or without their family. You know, for sure, I'm your guy. So uh, thanks, guys, for hosting me tonight. And please, anybody has any questions regarding anything we spoke about, um, I'd be more happy than you know willing to, to share all of that with you guys. And again, before you cut me, uh, so sponsors, can't leave these guys out, right? So Flip Rock Flip Flops, for sure. You got to check these guys out. They're, um, they're an open toe sandal with jetty cleats on the bottom, right? Might sound crazy to you guys in New Jersey, but... When you're, when you're in the heat up here in, or down here in Florida, you need to have the open sandal and they offer interchangeable bottoms, jetty cleats, the boat rubbers to all sorts of different things to keep you safe on the water and uh, rip and lips charters. They, they sponsor me with bay t-shirts, a bunch of different kind of hats and gears. And I'm always open for sponsors for sure, guys. If anybody's willing, I'm here. I'm your guy. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and getting a little insight onto your transition from Jersey to Florida. It's can't say that uh, I would complain too much about that one myself. <laughs> yeah, my heart. I tell you, my heart lies with New Jersey, but it's it's been a it's been a blessing and it's definitely been a change. And I thank you guys for bringing me on for sure. You got it, brother. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Definitely, definitely great meeting you, man. And especially the fact that you know I know you're in my area. So, and I will be visiting my dad a lot more often. So guess, uh, guess we're going to be fishing with each other a little bit more often. Bring it, bring it on my guy. Bring it on. Yeah. Cool. Uh, me and me and Dan, it's going to wrap it up and stay in a few minutes, but once again, we'd like to thank you, Aaron, for, um, topping on our podcast today. It was helpful just to give people an insight of what the Sebastian and Barrow era has to offer. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you get the opportunity, uh, look Aaron up on his social media platforms, look for his charters. You know, once he said, I, once it gets going, I guarantee you it's going to be a fantastic time in the water. It's, it's just a gorgeous area that, so, and for a captain that knows that area, you're in for a treat. So uh, once again, once again, Aaron, have a good night, man. Uh, keep those lines tight and good luck with your uh, future ventures. Thanks guys. Appreciate you guys. Good luck, Aaron. We'll be supporting you from over here, brother. Awesome, buddy. Thanks, man. Tight lines. Tight lines, man. All right, man. Another one in the books. Yeah, definitely. Definitely another one in the books. And and I, I enjoyed this one because it brought back a lot of my childhood stuff. You know what I mean? Sebastian Inlet, five, six, seven, eight years old kid running around up and down that that up and down that North Jetty, you know, by myself, freaking throwing every 
throwing shrimp on a little pinch weight, you know what I mean? Catching, <laughs> catching like sailor's choice, croakers, all the little cool stuff. You know what I mean? I went back then as a kid, I didn't hunt for like that monster 40 pound snook. I didn't hunt for that George. 50 pound redfish you know like if i caught a sheep's head off the piling and there was like one pound i'm jumping up and down like yes or i'll catch <laughs> or i'll catch like a spade fish an angel fish or something weird looking you know i'm running down the jetty i'm running down that pier with within my hand yelling at my dad like look what i got look what i got yeah nothing like reminiscing to the the good old days right i mean aaron talked about it there you know the the whole thing we've all heard thousands of times you know reminiscing about the weak fish back in the day oh you used mm -hmm. to be able to fill coolers full and things like that yeah yeah you hear that all the time it's just you know you think back of things uh, of your childhood and i'll just never forget you know fishing lums pond with my mom i might have been six seven years old and we're fishing for sunnies and I hook into probably a 35, 40 pounds snapping turtle and everybody's going nuts around me. And that's just a, that's just a, a memory from my childhood that I'll never forget. And we're sitting there like figuring out, like trying to figure out what do we do, right? Like this, 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 this turtle's bigger than me on my Shakespeare setup that we're talking about the Walmart setup. Fortunately, it broke off and, uh, and I didn't have to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, it's just something I'll never forget. I, it's like 35 years ago now and I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, that's, that's everything turns around and rotates back. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, my dad took me fishing every single weekend. You know what I mean? It was just nonstop. We did all the time. And you know what? Now it's turned back. He's coming up here in a few weeks. And guess who's taking him fishing? There you go, man. So turning the tides on him, you know, he's like, I've taken you fishing my whole life. It's, it's, it's time for you to pay me back. I was like, that's fine. I'll take you out. Can't beat that. Better, better get those bombers ready. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I told him, I told him to leave his black bombers at home. We're not fishing at night here in New Jersey. You know what I mean? It's, it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's got to. He's got to adhere to your bedtime, man. You're you're usually in bed. If we're not doing a podcast, you're in bed by now. Nah, yeah. If I'm not doing a podcast, <laughs> I'm in bed by ten o'clock. Uh, I'm a first. I'm a first light kind of guy. You know, midday kind of guy. Uh, yeah. As soon as that tie that's the sun sets, I'm going home. Yeah. Like I, I I can't do it, man. I can't do that non-human hours no more. I get it. You know what I mean? The big fish, all that good stuff is during that non-human hours. But you know what I mean? It's, I, I can't. And listen, listen, everybody, you know, I, I, I saw some comments about like keeping it, you know, local here and everything, but, but here's the thing, you know, we, we fish all over, you know, us Northerners go on vacation down South. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a, a, a connection to places we may potentially fish in the future. So it's, it's always good to be able to mix it up. We could have Jersey person after Jersey person on here and it, and the content get, could potentially get stale. We just want to keep it fresh, keep the content coming. And, and someone like Aaron, who's an up and coming charter captain, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for him to, you know, to present himself, you know, he, he's, he's, he's presenting himself to people that could potentially vacation down there and, and hop on one of his charters. That's, that's the goal here. We're just trying to, we're trying to connect to as many people and make connections with our listeners to different areas and 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 just keep keep fresh clean good content flowing i mean like i said we could talk to a jersey person after jersey person and it, it, we've we've all listened to those podcasts and they've all died right so we're trying to keep things fresh keep things uh keep things interesting and and tie in 
areas where we could potentially fish when we're not in our area. So it's, it, it's great. I mean, that's a, that's a, a world renowned fishery that Sebastian Inlet. So it doesn't hurt to have information here regarding that. And we're going to, we're going to do that. We're going to reach out to people that, you know, that are recognizable from other areas and maybe they're not recognizable. I think Aaron was someone that reached out to us. So it's, it's, you know, we're, we're here about opportunity too. You know, we're not just going to have, you know, all these people that fit into this common mold and we want to keep it fresh. We want to keep it interesting and, and keep good content flowing. That's, that's where Aaron comes in. He's, he's a, a up and coming charter captain in Florida and we want to support his business and he's supporting us. So that, that's just how it goes. No, I mean, just supporting exactly what Dan just went through, you know, like beginning of this podcast idea, you know, me and Dan sat down, we thought like, what are we going to do? Well, we, there's not much around in our area that does a podcast or, you know, to help anglers. Let's, let's do that. And that's what we started initially. You know, we started, you know, tri-state Jersey, New York, you know, somewhat, you know, just to keep it as local as possible. But as we turn, you know what I mean? As we all know, our fishery isn't that diverse. You know, we get bluefish, we get bass, we get, you know, we get blackfish, and then we get sheep's head, and we get, you know, a few here and there, which is cool. But like, how many podcasts can we really do about striped bass? You know what I mean? We don't want to do eight, 10 podcasts on striped bass. I mean, of course, striped bass, there's multiple ways to catch them, but we don't want to, you know, we want to be diverse, you know? We want to be like, hey, one of our listeners is traveling to vacation in Sebastian in three weeks. He finds our podcast. He listens to it. Oh, he listens to Aaron. He finds Aaron. Now he has a connect down there. You know, he at first, if he wants to try it himself, you know, Aaron and you know, me and, you know, we gave a few, few tactics, a little help, you know, to get you started. You know what I mean? But if he wanted to get that, I'd be a little bit deeper into it. He could always book a charter with Aaron. You know, that's the connect. And that's kind of like, you know, that he talked to we he talked to us that we had to offer instead of the 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 listener going down there trying to do his research, looking on no looking online, looking for guides, you know, going by stars. Oh, this this guy has five stars. He may have five stars, but he doesn't have that personality characteristic of a guy that you're looking for. You know, you actually listen to Aaron. You know, he's a friendly guy. He wants to help. You know who he is, so you reach out to him. And that's, that's all we want. We want to help people, either they're local or they're just a little bit further than us. It's okay. We just want the fishing community just to connect with each other. And we want to network as far as possible. Me and Dan, we want to network with guides in Texas. We want, yeah. we want to reach all the way out to California. You know, we can. Um, I mean, if it's possible, I mean, Dan will probably work on reaching out to Thailand. You know, Snakehead's over at Ginormous. We have we have a little contact over there. You know what I mean? Maybe that's something in the future. You know what I mean? Like we want to be able to reach the world instead of just our little local areas. And we really are. I mean, if we, we have, you know, data on who's listening and where they're listening from, and we have people listening from all over. I mean, I saw people from New Zealand listening, like mm -hmm. there's people listening to us from all over. So uh, while, while our home base is our home base, we're always going to make sure we love on Pennsylvania. We love on Jersey, Delaware and such there's only so much you can fish for here. There's only so much content that we can pull out of the air here. So it's just about, you know, making connections. I'm very, I have some very close connections down South. I fish down South fairly often. So those people down there are supporting the podcast. So I'm going to support them and, and have them on if it makes sense, you know, it just makes sense. Cause I'm going down there. I, I, I'm not the only one going down there. I know lots of people that go down 
you know, fish the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. Yeah. Guess what? We, we talk to people that are fishing that. It just makes sense, right? It just makes sense to have the right kind of connections. You know, I, we're not going to do anything on here that's going to be otherworldly, that doesn't make sense. And it's just, it's all about making sure we're talking to the right people still. You know, our model is not going to change in that regard. So, oh, not at all. So, um, just to wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, keep up with our, uh, keep up with all our guests and everything on Facebook at Tide Teachers Podcast. We're also on Instagram. You can always follow us on Instagram. All our fresh stuff guests for the upcoming week will always be on there at uh, Tide underscore Chasers. Um, our bios always has all the links to any of our uh, social media platform. You want to reach out to me or Dan. Uh, privately, we're more than welcome to connect you with any of our guests, that previous guests that we've had, any questions you may have, or if you want to be a guest, reach out to one of us. You know, we don't bite. We're very friendly guys. You know, we're only here to help. Um, besides that, uh, this is going to be a wrap. That's a wrap, brother. All right. Thank well, you yeah. for tuning in, everybody. Tight lines as always, and we we will have some more fresh content coming coming very soon. Indeed. Stay tuned, guys. Uh, once again, tight lines. Have a good night, guys. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.